Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. And so we shared the scripture last week, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, and it says this, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. Isn't that so true? How many of you ring true with that? You're like, oh, yeah, it's super deep. All the things that I want to do in my heart are huge. But a man of understanding draws them out. So it's one thing to have desire. It's one thing to have want. It's another thing to draw those wants out. It's another thing to see those things come into play in our lives. And that's what this series is all about. See, goals bring intentionality to our future. They improve our focus, and they inspire our faith. So it's important for you to have goals. It's important for you to write them down. All the things that we talked about, it's, it, it's good to know where you're going, right? Because if you don't know where you're going, then you're just going to end up someplace. You're just going to end up there. You don't, you don't really, oh, well, this is just kind of where life brought me. How many of you have ever felt like that before? It's like, well, I just ended up here. How did I end up here? Most of the time we end, end up here is because we didn't have an intended place to be going. And so wherever you point, right, whenever you drive, you don't go, well, I'm just going to, you know, just, I'm just going to drive around and wherever I end up, that's where I'm going to go. Like, you know, you, you might decide to go to lunch today. And if you don't have a decision, you're just going to drive around and you're going to find the first place that pops up or sounds good to you. How many of that's one of the most frustrating decisions that you'll make today? Goals bring intentionality to our future, right? They improve our focus. How many of you know that goals will teach you not only what to say yes to, but it also tell you what you can say no to? That's why you need goals, because can I tell you today that everybody and everything in your world is demanding your yes? Come on. And so if you don't have goals, you'll just say yes to whatever. So it brings intentionality to our future, improves our focus, and inspires our faith. What do you believe in God for? What are you believing God for? So today, we're going to talk about financial goals. Next week, we're going to be talking about family goals. Come on. It's good. It's good to have a godly family. And we're talking about kingdom goals. Come on, are you with me? And so we're talking about financial goals today. Now, I know what you're thinking. Now, some of you haven't been in church in a while, and you're like, here I am. I'm at church, and they're talking about money. I mean, there are a lot of stereotypes that go around with church, right? Church and money. Like, like it's almost taboo for the church to talk about money, right? Churches start talking about money, and people just shut down. Oh, here they are asking for money again. So churches get a, a bad rap in regards to money. And, and the, kind of the two statements that are made is, made is, number one, they talk about money too much. Well, let me just ask you two questions if you've thought that before. Churches talk about t- money too much. First of all, how often are you in church? Right? Because most of the people that make this statement, they're not in church very often, or they would know that churches probably don't talk about money enough. And the other thing is, have you read your Bible? Because the Bible is full about talking about money. In fact, in the gospel, one in ten verses deal with the subject of money. Ten percent. Interesting. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So the Bible talks a lot about money. Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. Well, doesn't the Bible say that money's the root of all evil? No, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 
And so, don't love that money. Come on. Um, so, if we never talk about money, we're not preaching the Bible. Right? So, we do need to talk about money. Listen, I don't like talking about money. Let's just be real. I'm like struggling all week going, oh, man, I have to get up. I'm going to talk about money. And people are going to check out as soon as I say the word money. I mentioned tithe. People are going to check out. They're going to rot me off. They're going to think I'm some prosperity preacher or something like that. And that's the second thing that the church gets kind of deemed when it talks to money, right? All these prosperity preachers. How many of you guys have heard that before? I don't like church. All these prosperity preachers. Or people will say the prosperity gospel. How many of you have ever heard that before? First of all, let me ask you this. Do you think that we should follow a poverty gospel? Right? No, of course not. The gospel is not. The gospel actually is a prosperity gospel if you understand it. Because it's a provision gospel. And when God provides, he always provides more than enough. It's just the way God works. So there's some truth kind of to that statement. Let's just be real about a prosperity gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to live in a multi-million dollar house and you need to be driving an Escalade with real gold rims. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, maybe you can get some, like, some, some go to Walmart and get some of that spray paint and, and spray paint on gold, you know. But, um, but God is a good provider, and he takes good care of his kids. And God, listen, God doesn't get any glory out of somebody being poor. It's important for you to understand um, that this is a gospel provision. Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 10, he said that you'd have life and life more abundantly. Other words, that you would have enough and enough left over. Why would you have enough left over? So you could give some of it away. So how can you be generous? How can you do the things that Jesus called us to do to take care of the world around us? How can you do that if you're poor? You can't. You'll be the recipient of that. So it's very important that you understand that there's nothing spiritual about being poor and there's nothing sinful about being rich. It's not so much about how much money is in your bank account. It's what are you doing with the money? And our view of money, we have all different kinds of views of money, right? Our view of money is mostly influenced by the environment that we're raised in. Isn't it? I mean, think about how you were raised, and that's how you view your money. If you were raised, I was raised, I wouldn't say in poverty because, you know, if poverty in America is like rich in other countries, and I didn't pull out those stats for you today, but it's ridiculous. If you make over $20,000 a year, you're richer than 94% of the people in the world, right? I know that you're entitled to more, but reality is this. Poverty in America is rich. Some of our homeless in America live greater than rich people in other countries. I mean, it's just the reality. So, but our view of money is mostly influenced by our demographics. So, I wasn't raised really poor, but we didn't really have a lot, okay? I mean, we were, we were eating like, you know, we didn't have, I think we probably had a microwave, but we were eating like TV dinners and come on, all that kind of stuff all the time, not because it was convenient, but because that's all we could afford. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had clothes. Our things were provided for. My mom worked nights. Like we had, we struggled. Come on. And the struggle was real. Now, again, I'm not going to say we were poor, but we weren't really, you know, the best part of town. And everybody that I lived around, they were just in the same scenario that we were. How many know that that's the way demographics work? The the environment that you're in is most likely the environment that you're going to produce. Most people that don't have any money that grow up poor end up being poor when they're older. 
It's just the reality. Most people, when they're rich, when they grow up, they end up having more, right? Either because they inherited it or they were raised in a culture that taught them how to make money, right? The bad thing, the, the, the difference between the rich and the poor are, are the difference, do you know how to take money or do you know how to make money? That's really the difference between the rich and the poor. Do you survive on making money or taking money, right? And how many know that if, you're, if, if your mentality is take, 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 what can they give me? What can the government give me? What can my neighbor give me? What, my, what can my church, how can everybody else provide for my needs? That's a poverty spirit. You can rise above that. You are a contributor to the needs. You're not always a recipient. And there might be times when you need it. Come on. I've been in places in my life where I've needed, but I also know this, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen their kids out begging for bread. And so God has a plan, right? So most of what we know about money, our grid for money, happens through impartation. Again, greedy people produce greedy people. Impoverished people produce poor people. Impartation, right? The environment that we're in, that's what we produce. But what we need is education. What we need is education of stewarding money and revelation to change our heart and our mind. Because you can learn the skills, but if your mindset doesn't change, nothing will really change. That's why, listen, that's why you can take a poor person, we'll use that term loosely, you can take a poor person, give them millions of dollars, and we've seen this with athletes, give them millions of dollars, and they're broke in five years. Why? Because they didn't matter how much money they had, they were still poor. You've got to change the mindset. You've got to change the heart. And it's the same reason why someone that's raised in a home that's well off, you know, upper middle class, they don't work hard, they don't get a job, this kind of thing, and then they end up with thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. Why? Because they're used to these things. They've got to learn the education. They've got to have the structure to handle the money. Most of us don't have more money because we don't have the structure to handle it. We don't know how to steward it well. Are y'all okay? Um, so the education of stewarding money and the revelation to change our heart and our mindset. We did a series earlier, uh, I'm sorry, in the fall of last year called Royalty. Listen, if you're struggling with that mindset, go back and listen to that series. We did a series a little over a year ago called Grateful, which is kind of about money, but not really about money. It's just about mindset. It's about how God created you. So a lot of, a lot of our money issues are identity issues. They're not financial issues. They're not because you need a better job. It's just because you need a different mindset. You need to start thinking a little bit different. Again, I'm really uncomfortable talking about money, but here we are. <laughs> this is God's desire for your finances. We talked last week that God has a list. You know that God has a list, and our list needs to match his list. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has an intention for your life. And so our goal of being Christ followers is to follow what's on God's list. Come on, are you with me? So God's desire is for our finances. Number one, our, God's desire, his number one desire is that we trust him, that we trust him with our finances. Matthew 6, 19 through 24, you can go back and read it. That's where Jesus talks about not worrying. That's where Jesus talks about seeking first the kingdom. He talks about our provision. So he talks all about, he wants our trust, just like every area of our life, just like you trusted him with your salvation, he wants you to trust him with, his, with your finances. Just like, just like he wants you to trust him emotionally, you'd be satisfied in him, he wants you to trust him with your finances. Listen, your finances are a huge part of your life. Most of us spend at least eight hours a day going to a job to make this green stuff called money so we can function. 
So a third of your life is devoted to making this green stuff called money. So definitely the Lord wants to be, a tr- be the trust of a third of our life. He wants all of it. Right? Y'all all right? Um, so he wants our trust. Number two, his desire is that our needs are met. God wants your needs met. He doesn't get any glory by you not being able to pay your bills. He gets no glory out of somebody being hungry or a nation being hungry. God gets no glory out of that. Philippians 4.19 says this, my God. Everybody say, my God. See, this is my God. This is what my God does. My God supplies. And the good thing about God is his supply doesn't run empty. You know, Amazon, if they stop creating things, their place where you order stuff from, it'll eventually get empty. Sometimes you'll go to order something on Amazon Prime, and it'll say, sorry, we're out of stock. I mean, you went to the store, and you were like, you went to go buy some sugar for pie you were making over Christmas. You went, they were out of sugar. Listen, God's provisions don't run out. My God shall supply your needs according to what? His riches and glory. Not according to your job. Not according to the way that you were raised. Not according to your demographic. Whatever society labels you. According to his riches and glory. He's really rich. And he's got lots of glory. And none of it runs out. So your needs are provided according to his abundance, not yours. And it's easy to trust a God like that when you understand it. Right? Oh. God, God really has a lot of money. <laughs> yes. He really has money. I mean, he, he fills the potholes with gold. Right? I mean, he, it never runs out. And if he did run out, he would just create more just by going, gold. Or just thinking it, gold. Boof. He made it all. He has it all. He has everything. So he wants our trust to be in him, and he wants our needs to be met. How are our needs met? By trusting him. The third thing that God wants is this, that we would live generously. God wants you to be generous. God doesn't want you just to have your needs met. He wants you to represent him in meeting the needs of others. Come on. And not just their financial needs either. Oh, come on. God wants you to meet the needs of people's loneliness. So God's supposed to meet that means. You know how he does it? He does it through people. God is into partnership. This is called kingdom. So how many of you, you, you want to be a blessing to people, right? You want to be generous. I think most of us do. We, man, I want to be a blessing to people. You know what I'm saying? I want when the Girl Scouts come to my door and they're like, hey, I got this. I don't want to be like, oh, man, it's, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can afford it. Let's see. Hold on just a minute. Let me go check my budget. Right? I mean, I want to buy, like, the whole wagon full of those what are they called? Those Samoas? Yeah, some, uh, whatever your fix, whatever your uh, Girl Scout crack is, right? So, like, I want to buy the whole, like, wagon, right? Because they taste good, but also just to be a blessing, right? I want to, like, buy you lunch today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to do that. I want to have, I want to, when I go out to lunch, I don't want anybody to say, well, I can't afford it. They just know that if I'm going to take them to lunch, I'm going to buy it. Not because I'm loaded, right? You guys know what I'm saying? Or a missionary comes to, comes to town, and they're like, we need $30,000 before we can go back on the mission field, and you can write a check. I want to be able to have the 30 grand in the bank to write them the check. Well, here you go, 30 grand to get the gospel in Central Asia. Let's do it. 
You know what I mean? Don't you want to be a blessing? Wouldn't you love to be at that place where you could be that? Well, you've got to start with the small things. So you might not be able to buy them like, I'm trying to think of some fancy up-to-do restaurants. You can't buy them Carabas right now. But you might be able to buy them some like, some Chick-fil-A. Or you might be able to like take them to Taco Bell. We all know Taco Bell's cheap. Come on, man, I'm going to buy you lunch. Cool, where are we going? Taco Bell. Awesome. It's all good. You've got to start somewhere. But you want to help somebody that's struggling. You know? You, you know a, a, a single mom who's, you look at her kid's shoes and their shoes are wore out. Don't you want to be the one to go and, and say, hey, look, come with me. I want to buy you lunch and, and take you guys to the shoe store and buy some shoes. Would that be okay? Wouldn't you like to be that person that was that generous? Can I tell you today that that's God's desire for you? that you would be able to live generously, but you got to start small and you got to start now. Come on. So it might just be buying somebody lunch. Come on. It might start off putting a quarter in a Salvation Army bucket. Start small, start now, be generous. It's God's heart. Check this out, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is really our text today. Remember this. Now, how many know when the Bible, you should remember all the Bible. <laughs> so when the Bible says, remember this, it's like, okay, this is important. This is important, important. It's not just important information. It's really important information. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Well, man, no money's coming in. How generous are you with your seed? Well, no, I've got bills to pay. Well, paying bills ain't given. Let's just be real. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Did you know that you cannot reap where you do not sow? It just don't work. I mean, you don't go outside and go, I'm just believing God for apples. So, Lord, I'm just believing supernaturally that there be an apple tree in my backyard in the name of Jesus. That might happen, but I can guarantee you, that if you get an apple seed and you plant it, eventually a tree will grow. And that's the way that God sets it up. So many times the miracle is not God just showing up, but God providing the increase when you plant the seed. Y'all all right? Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. What is that speaking of? Intentionality. You need to decide. How much am I going to give this month? Well, I got bills to pay. I know. Me too. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. So we shouldn't be like, oh, my heart just be intentional. For God loves a cheerful giver. When he says this, he's, he's not saying that you shouldn't allow the Lord to stir in your heart and you be generous. What he's saying is that God wants you to have enough intentionality and prepared enough to give that whenever you give, you can do it joyfully because you were prepared. It wasn't something that came up. Oh. And so what people have done is, say, well, you know, if the preacher asks for money, you can't give because it's, it says under compulsion. I don't know about you, but I always feel a compulsion to be generous. That's a Holy Ghost compulsion. But I also know that if I don't plan and I'm not intentional about my giving, then I won't be able to respond to what God's putting in my heart. Is that okay? All right. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, our pastor used to say this in El Paso. He said, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from an old grouch. It's pretty funny. Buster Russell. 
Busterism. God loves a cheerful giver, but I'll take it. You say, I got a quiver in my liver to be a giver. That's a little funny little thing. Those are funny. Those are great. I think they're great. I know y'all are like, those are really bad. That's okay. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Just be generous with your laughter. Okay. Verse 8. And God, listen, this is awesome. And God. Everybody say, and God. That, that's the element, right? The, the God element. My God and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you have all you need, there's a provision, that you will abound in every good work, that you'll do good at everything you put your hand to. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower. So how does God do this? How does God work generosity? Through miracles? Yes, but the miracle is us. Listen, this is what he says right here. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I'm going to come back to that. You will be made rich. Oh, come on. Put that one on the fridge. You will be made rich in every way. So, so that, not just so you can have a bunch of money, not so you can be rolling, right? So that you can be generous on every occasion. How many occasions? Every occasion. So you can live generously. God says, I want to provide for you. So you can be a generous person. Every time there's an opportunity to be generous, I want you to be generous because I'm generous and I'm a giver and I want you to be like me. So I'm going to meet your needs and I'm going to teach you how to be generous. Isn't that awesome? And through your generosity, it result in thanksgiving to God. So God wants us to be generous. I want to talk today. I want to get, I want to get practical. Are y'all okay if we get practical? I know it's really hard for me. Y'all know this. Oh, there you go. It's going to get practical. It's going to be like kind of weird for Josh to stand still and talk. We'll try. We'll, we'll try. If we're going to be generous, how many know that we have to have plenty? We have to have our needs provided for. We have to pay the bills. Come on. So God wants that. We, we've talked about his desires for us. But we've got to be positioned for plenty. So. How do we get positioned for plenty? Number one, we yield the first fruits. Now, we use this term, some of you are like, what's that first fruits? I've never heard that before. So, first fruits, what first fruits were in biblical culture, in biblical times, a lot of people didn't have a currency like a money. A lot of people didn't. They would have crops. So, they were a, they, they were a vineyard worker and they had grapes. So, what would happen is whenever they, their harvest came in, they would take their grapes. And they would take them to the temple and give 10% of their grapes to the Lord. This was called a tithe. The tithe means tenth. Okay? So what would they do with their income? If they had cattle and they produced 10 babies, they took one of their babies of those cows and took it to the priest and they offered it as a sacrifice to the Lord. What was it? It was Lord's. It was the tenth. It was the first fruit of what they produced. So we call this first fruits or the tithe. Now we use the word tithe, but the word for some of us need to look at it as first fruits because some of you are like someone says tithe and you're like, oh, right? Listen, if you have a if you have problem, if you have a problem with 10%, then you really have a problem with 100%. 
let's just be real. You have some issues with your money if you think that 10% is too much. Because God wants everything. Um, so it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So what's he saying? Bring to me, out of your wealth, the first. It's like new year. It's important for you to start right, right? New week, new day. It's important to take that first part and say, Lord, this is yours. Um, now, some, some would argue, they'd say, well, God is first in my finances, and I don't pay a tithe. So how do you know? How do you know God's first? Well, I don't tithe, but God's first in my finances. How do you know? See, I could ask Pastor Emlyn. I could say, Emlyn, Pastor Emlyn, how do you know that God's in charge of your finances? He'd say, because I tithe. Because I give 10% of my income. Before Uncle Sam gets a hold of it. Right? Okay. And some people, these would be the arguments, and I just kind of want to break these down for you. We've done more exhaustive teaching on this. You can find it. Uh, the, the first argument is this. Well, tithing is of the Old Testament. You know, I've never heard a generous person say that. I, I'm not saying generous people have never said that. I've just never heard a generous person say that. Well, 10%, that's too much. Actually, New Testament, you know what they gave? All of it. They sold everything. Okay? Um, so let me challenge you on this is that Abraham tithed before there was a law. Before there was an old covenant, we see Abraham, who was rich, by the way, the father of faith, who we call the father of faith, was rich. Rich. I'm not talking about like a little bit of money left over. He was rich, and he brought tithes to the Lord. And I guarantee you, a tithe for a rich person costs him just as much as it does you. It's a, that's why it's a percentage, and it works for everybody. So wherever you're at, it works. Tenth. I know that some of y'all struggle with that. That's okay. I, hey, listen, when I first came to the Lord, I struggled with it too. But I'll tell you what, once I said yes, it was crazy how everything else fell into order. I was like, whoa, how am I making that much money? That don't even make sense to me. i tell you what, for the last four years, it hasn't made sense to me. But God just takes care of us when we trust him. And so a tithe is really a yielding to the Lord to trust him. Um, Another thing that people say is that, well, Jesus never talked about tithing. False. False. Jesus did talk about tithing. In fact, the only thing in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, the only thing that Jesus ever complimented the religious people on was this. You bring a tithe, good. The only thing he ever said they did was good is that they tithed. Crazy. Everything else they did was rotten. But they got that right. Then Jesus, in Luke chapter 20, verse 25, he says, give to, give to God what is God's. What is God's? What is God's is the tithe. Did you know that when you tithe, you're not giving? When you tithe, you're yielding. When you tithe, you say, oh, that's the Lord's. I can't touch that. I had a guy uh, years ago. Uh, I, I play the guitar kind of. You know, I'm a little bit better than, than Bradley, uh, just a little bit. But, you know, he's going to keep practicing. Everybody's laughing because they know that's not true. So, um, so you know, when I was in Bible college, I, le- I, you know, learned to lead worship. And, you know, not like musicians are now. I mean, I was, I'm really bad. And so, but I learned, you know, these like four chords that I still know today, like over 20 years later. And so I had this guitar that I bought. And then when I moved back home to Odessa after college, I, I saw a guitar I wanted in a shop, and it was a lot of money for me at the time. It was like $550, which some of you are like, that's a super cheap guitar, all you gear snobs. And so 
I went in and I and I bought this guitar. I remember it was an Epiphone. It plugged in. The one I had didn't plug in, so I could lead worship from it. I could be like, Lord, I lift your name on high. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that guitar. And so I bought so I had the guitar that I had before that, which was which it was a Fender acoustic, which are really not very common. And it was called a Lebray, and it was a black, it was a black acoustic guitar. I mean, this is like, you know, in the nineties. And so it was, it was really cool. And so I had a friend. We were trying to start a band, and I had a friend that wanted to borrow my guitar. And so I was like, okay, man, cool. Yeah, you, I just bought this new one so you could take my old one and learn how to play guitar, my cool black Fender LeBray. And he's like, yeah. So he took the guitar. Well, I quit hanging out with that guy. Like, we just weren't friends anymore. And so I was, like, trying to, like, this is before the days that you could text people and find out where they were at any time of any day. And uh, I called, I was going to get all the way. I said, man, I need to get my guitar back. I'm going to sell it and make some money and buy me some gear, you know. And so I called him and couldn't get a hold of him, left messages on his answer machine. Hello, I can't come to the phone right now. Right, you guys know what I'm talking about. This is like in the 90s. Some of you are like, what is that like? And so I, I went to his house one day and I knocked on the door. I mean, he had had my guitar for like six months. And uh, so I went to his house and knocked on the door. I was like, like, hey, man. He's like, hey, what's up? I was like, I-, I wanted to get my guitar back from you. Are you still playing it? He's like, man, I don't have it. I was like, what do you mean you don't have it? Like, I love Jesus and everything, but it's about to go down right now. All right? And so I'm like, what? he's like, oh, man. He's like, I needed the money, and I hawked it. And I was like, how much did you get for it? He's like, like 30 bucks. I was like, I would have given you 30 bucks to have it back. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. I love you, Lord. I'm not going to punch him. Right? Totally uncool what the guy did. Why? Because he sold something that didn't belong to him. See, when we withhold the tithe, the 10%, we're holding on to something that doesn't belong to us. When you spend the tithe on your bills, you're spending God's money, not your money. The tithe is already the Lord's. You don't get to give the tithe. You just yield it to him. It's already his. So when Jesus says the Lord's, whenever he says give to God what is God's, he's talking about the tithe. Because in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, which is usually, generally where we teach from the tithe from, it says this, when, when we do not tithe, we're robbing God. How do you rob God? When you withhold that which is already his. So some of us wonder why our finances are such a mess and we don't tithe. You say, well, it's for God's benefit. It's for the church's benefit, but I don't benefit. You will benefit. In fact, this is the only thing, if you read Malachi chapter 3, this is the only thing that God ever tells us that we're allowed to test him in. And if you, we, we, we make this guarantee quite often. If you say, you know what, I want to start tithing, but it's hard. It's a, it's a stretch of faith. Then come to us and talk to us and let us help you. And this is what we'll do. We'll say, let's tithe. Let's test the Lord in this. Let's go three months with you tithing. And then at the end of those three months, if God doesn't take care of you, we'll give you those three months of finances back. We want to help you. Sound like a good deal? So if you're struggling with that, you talk to a staff member he said, hey, listen, man, I'm struggling. With, I, I know that I need to start tithing. I struggle with it. I know that it, it's a leap of faith for me. Like, my finances are really tight, but I know that the Lord wants me to do that. Then you come, you talk to one of our staff. He said, listen, I want to take this tithe challenge that Pastor Josh talked about, and I, I want to tithe. I want to try it for three months and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, if God doesn't provide for you, we'll give you all your money back. 
Okay, so we'll help you. This is how much we believe because we know that we won't have to give anybody their money back. You'll have more money. God can do more with your 90% or with with you devoting that 10%, and you'll do more with the 90% than you'll ever do with the 100%. I guarantee you. I've, I've I've tested the Lord, and I've seen it. It's true. So don't hold on to what's yours. It's the Lord's. Don't steal it. You all all right? That's why it says robbing God because we're withholding what already belongs to him. All right, number two. So y'all are right? So yield the first fruit. Whew, that's hard. Number two, steward well. Uh, steward well. Okay, here's the, here's the real practical part for you. Steward well. So most of the time in church, we just teach tithing and God will take care of it. But how many know that we need to still have the skill to be able to use our money properly? Um, when he says this, in, in, back to our passage where he says, God will give you seed and bread. Well, you don't plant bread and you don't eat seed. You plant seed, okay? So we talk about seed, we're talking about generosity, right? And you don't, you don't plant bread. Will anything grow if you? No. So you have to live off the bread. So when we talk about our bills, when we talk about all that, we're talking about the bread. Like, what do we do with our bread? Let me show you how to eat your bread. You all right? You know, money, Jesus says this in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6. He says this. He says that no man can serve two masters. We must love one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. So you can't serve money. You don't work for money. And some of us, you don't understand, I do work for money. You need money. You work for God, right? You honor the Lord in that. So what you need to learn to do is not work for money, but let money work for you. You have a job. You're called to that. Come on. We're called to, to, to pay our bills. We're called all that. It's good. It's good. Money's not bad. Uh, in most p- cases, people that struggle financially don't have a money issue. They have a stewardship issue. They have a discipline issue. So if you don't have a, if you don't have a plan, if you fail to plan, plan to fail. So you've got to have a, a plan financially. Don't listen. Do not live paycheck to paycheck. Live intentionally. And I'm going to help you guys make a budget today. Is that okay? I know it's really practical. But some of y'all, like, you've had no financial, like, you've never taken a class. Your parents didn't teach you how to do it. Or they just told you, well, if we have enough money, we'll do that. Listen, I think God wants you to have, a, have money to do all the things that he's put in your heart to do. Come on, are you with me? So, and, you know, Matthew chapter 25, great story of the talents. I'd encourage you. I'm giving you guys a lot of references today because I have so much information. Uh, the first thing that you're going to do when you develop a budget is you take inventory. How much do you have? How much money do you have in the bank? And not only do you have, how much money do you have in the bank, bank, how much money do you have coming in every month? Okay? How much comes in from your job? How much comes in from maybe other investments that you have, those type of things? So sit down and write down at the top of a sheet, and we've got a budget sheet for you. It's in your app, in your Overflow app that we got from Dave Ramsey, who's the boss. So, and just write down at the top of that sheet how much money comes in every month. Okay? So take inventory. And then the second thing you need to do is you knock off 20% of that. You say, well, I can't afford to do that. Let's not talk about what you can afford right now. Let's just talk about your money. Take 10% and 10% off of that. 10% for the Lord. It's already his anyway. You don't want to steal it. Right? We're, we're not tippers. We're tithers. All right? Well, I'm a church. Here you go, Lord. You're a tipper, not a tither. Take 10% off. Right? And then take another 10% off, and that's going to go into savings. Okay? 
Now, some of you are like, well, I know that that's not going to work. Well, let's just do this. And if you need to shrink that number, we can do that because you might only be able to save 2% right now. Okay? So, and, and let me say this. Saving doesn't make you generous, but it provides room for you to be generous. Okay? Um, third is set a budget. Oh, so how do I do that? So you've wrote down your input. You've knocked off the 20% because you say, I'm not going to touch that. That's going to be saved. And part of it's the Lord's. I'm going to put that away. I'm going to put that over here. So this 80% of my income, not 100%, 80% of my income, I'm going to leave it right there. And then what I'm going to do is go over here to another sheet. And I'm going to write all the things that I spend my money on. My car payment, my house payment, my gas, my food, our grocery bill this month. Go back and look at your bank statement and see how much money you spent. If you want to be really thorough about it and really accurate, look over the last three months and see where you're, about how much money you spent on certain things, and you write down an average of how much you spent. You put oil changes in there. You put haircuts because these are the things that we forget about, right? You put the aspirin on there that you don't buy every, you know, whatever. Shaving cream. I mean, you put it all. You write down everything. Y'all okay? So you, and then, listen, you don't just write a budget. You set a budget. Which means we're not changing this. This is what we're going to do. So necessities, your house, car, insurance, groceries, gas, clothing, haircuts, oil changes, medical expenses, everything. Write it down. Luxuries, cable. Cable's a luxury? Yes. Netflix, that's a luxury? I mean, i got to have I know. Okay. Luxury. Data plans. Luxury. Um, <clears throat> internet. Luxury. You can use the internet at Starbucks, but you have to buy coffee there. I'll sit outside of parking lot or something. Okay. Um, eating out. What was the big one? Luxury. Eating out's a luxury. Love it. <laughs> okay. Number four. Okay. So after you do that, then you set boundaries. So what you do is you live according, you add all that up. And where does that fit with your number up there? Okay. And you say, oh man, I'm like short, like about 5%. Well, then what you do is you say, okay, well, where can I cut back? Can I cut out my Netflix? Well, it's only 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month adds up because you got all those other things that you're subscribed to that are 10 bucks a month also. I mean, it might be a good time for you to go back and cancel your AOL account. <laughs> so when you're like, what's AOL? Well, you used to have to pay AOL to have internet every month. It's weird. So, yeah, dial up. Just, they have these things that used to be in houses. They're, we called them phones. I know that it's weird, but they had a cord and it went to a wall. And you could take that cord out and plug it into a computer, and that's how you got on the Internet. Crazy. Welcome to the future. Okay. Um, and then, listen, set boundaries and live according to your means. You say, well, I'm spending like $400 a month eating out. Okay, well, that might need to come down to like 200 or maybe like 100 Well, you don't understand. We just don't have the time. Well, fail to plan, plan to fail. Amazon? Did someone say Amazon? I, yeah, you can deliver it to your, I need an Amazon budget. Like, I need a budget Amazon in. I can only spend $50 a month, $50 a week on Amazon this week. <laughs> a day, whatever the budget allows. <clears throat> I want to buy other people things on Amazon. Okay, so set boundaries and live according and live within your means. If you can't afford to eat out, don't eat out. If it's tough for you to eat out, Drink water. You're going to save like three bucks. And if you eat out and you have a waiter or a waitress, you tip them. You tip them well because you're 
generous. Well, they're charging like $45 for the steak. Then why are you eating it? If you can't afford the steak, right? Why are you complaining about it? Listen, you don't, let me tell you this. If you're not, if you're giving, leaving like a dollar at the table, or you're doing anything less than 50%, 15%, 50 works, 15%. If you're doing anything less than 15% when the service is bad, don't call yourself a Christian. Don't invite people to church. I'm, I'm saying like for a Christian, like we should be tipping like 30%. Good service, 30%. Or more. You know, do that. They're at that like, man, I have like, I, did you just hear the story of this mom? She's like, hey, how's life going? These are ministry opportunities for the person that's serving you. Bless them. Be a blessing. Well, you don't know. I don't care. You're a generous person. It's not about you. Okay. Um. <clears throat> So y'all all right? And listen, be frugal. Don't just blow money. Come on. I mean, there's value in value. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to buy the cheapest thing. But look for things on sale. Clip coupons. I mean, always talk to Pastor Leslie. She's like the coupon queen. You know, whatever it does to take to save money, do it. Why? Because you're frugal. Because you want to have more to be a blessing. Well, I only saved $2. That's $2 that you could give away. That's $2 you could put towards your Netflix. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> I'm on my, my goal this year is to be able to pay for my Netflix account. Um, listen, let's talk, let's talk about debt real quick. Oh, debt. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the borrow is servant or subject to the lender. You guys know exactly how it is. I've been in debt before. I'm not in debt right now. I'm proud to say that we have no credit card debt. Um, the devil has four names. American Express, Discover, MasterCard, and Visa, right? <laughs> Those things are the devil. And uh, I know that we live in a culture that says, I want it now and pay for it later. And can I tell you that when you pay for it later, you're going to pay a lot more for it? Um, and you're going to intend, well, I'm going to pay $50 a month for the next three months. The problem is that something else is going to come in and demand a yes for that $50 a month, and you're only going to be paying $10 a month, which is the minimum. And when it turns out, something that you're supposed to pay $300 for, you end up paying $600 for because it took you 30 years to pay for it. Interest. Ugh. This is my rule. Like, I don't think that you shouldn't have a credit card. If you have a credit card, then use it for emergencies. That's awesome to have a credit card for emergencies. But do not carry it, because if you carry it, you will use it. We have, we have credit cards in a safe with my gun in, in my closet, just so you know if you think I'm going to break into his house and get his credit cards. Well, there's something else waiting in there. <laughs> so, just kidding. So you keep that, yes, sir. You keep that, you keep those credit cards Away. Don't carry it in your wallet. Don't carry it in your purse, ladies. Don't carry it. If you have a credit card, it's for emergencies, and why are you carrying it for? You need to have it within reach. You keep it in a somewhere locked up at your parents' house. Hey, I'm gonna put this at your house. I don't use it. Good. That's a good place for it. Somewhere where you it is not easily accessed for you to go, oh wow. Cheerios, a whole crate for five dollars. I'll just put it on the credit card. And then you end up paying like five hundred dollars for Cheerios. So don't carry it. And don't carry a balance. Don't carry a balance. So if you have to use it for an emergency to get that sucker paid off. And then tra- if you have high interest rate credit cards, 
Trade it off. Transfer the balance to a low interest rate credit card. And get that sucker paid off. Don't be like, oh, now I have like $40 extra a month. No, no, no. Use that $40 and pay. Discipline. It's hard. This is what I say. Never borrow money. And using credit cards is borrowing money. Never borrow money for grub, gifts, and gas. So anything that won't be in your possession tomorrow, never charge it. Don't ever buy food with credit cards. Never. It's a bad choice. I wanted to bless them. Don't bless somebody with money that's not yours because that's what you do when you use a credit card. That's not your money. That's a bank's money. And they're going to charge you interest. Well, I just want to be a blessing. Well, use your money to bless, not somebody else's, right? So don't, don't use it for eating, right? Because that money's gone tomorrow. Don't use it for gas. Come on. So no, no grub, no, and don't use it for gifts. Well, I just want to, I want to buy them a gift. You're going to buy them a gift of somebody else's money. You realize how foolish that sounds? Okay. Y'all all right? Um, and w- if you have credit card debt, then do this. Work out a plan to play it off, pay it off. I know that this is so monotonous today. Listen, call your credit card company and ask them two questions. First of all, ask, well, ask them three questions. Get on the phone. Hey, uh, I want to talk to somebody about my account. And they're like, oh, I'll be glad to talk to you. We would offer you more. No, no, no. Can I talk to like a manager or a supervisor? And you go up as high as you can get on the phone, and you be nice, and you be godly, and you be Christian about it, and say, listen, I'm really, you, get, you talk to the highest person in the totem pole that you can talk to, right? Or if you have a loan at a bank, you go into the bank. You look a little sharper than you normally do. You go into the bank, and you talk to the banker, and you say, listen, I really want to pay my debts off. I want to give you your money back that you've lent me. If it's a credit card or it's a bank, they've lent you that money. You guys understand that, right? Credit card is lent money. Okay, so you're going in and you're, you're saying, listen, I want to pay you your money back. I want to I want to pay my debts off, but I'm having a really hard time. Is, is there any of this debt that you can forgive? Just straight up ask. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Just do it. I'd rather you be embarrassed for 30 seconds than you be in debt for 30 years. Ask them, can you for, is there any of this amount that you can forgive? Can you forgive my debt? And I've heard of stories where, where people have said, yes, we'll knock off $300. You're behind on your cell phone bill? Call them and ask them, can we work on this? Can you knock some of this off? I really want to get it paid off. Most of the time they'll work with you because they know that a little bit of money is better than no money. So ask them to forgive the debt. If they won't forgive the debt, ask them, can you lower the interest rate? And if they say, well, no, we can't. We've already lowered the interest rate. Well, if you don't lower the interest rate, then I'm going to have to find another bank with a lower interest rate and I'll transfer and so if you could help me, and most of the time, they'll lower it. Listen, even a 0.05% is better than what you're paying now. So ask them to lower that. You know, okay, I know this is really practical. Why are we doing this in church? Because I want to help you. Um, and listen, be aggressive with paying those credit cards off. That is not your money. And quit putting crud on there. Stop buying junk. Stop consuming debt. Don't make memories with debt. Oh, we're going to go on vacation. Just put it on the credit card. That's stupid. The greatest memory, the, the, the memory that's going to affect you the most is the next 30 years you're going to spend paying it off. I tell you what, man, when we got out of debt, I was like, oh, thank God. What a relief that I don't have to, that I, that I don't have this invisible thing in front of me that I'm sending money to every month. I mean, I was, there was a point in my life where I was paying like $650 a month towards debt, and some of y'all, that's not even a lot. And I remember thinking, man, this is like two car payments. At that time, it was a house payment. It's different now. So 
Anyway, those are just some things to help y'all. Y'all all right? Let me, let me get through this today. Number three, hustle. Everybody say hustle. What does that mean? That means work hard. Don't expect a handout. Work hard. Wherever your job is. If you're working at McDonald's, work hard. Go talk to your boss and say, listen, I want to make as much money at this company as I can. I know you're at McDonald's. You're still calling it a company. That's good. I know it's hard to view it as a company, but it, it is. Honor up. Honor up. Honor your boss and say, listen, I'm going to work as hard as I can. How can I make more money here? They will respect you for that. And then work your butt off to back up your words. Hustle. Hustle. Listen, the Bible calls us kings and priests. We talk a lot about the priest part. We don't spend a lot of time talking about the king part. You're a king. What do kings do? Kings rule over. Well, how do you rule? With money. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to produce wealth. God has given you the power to produce wealth. He's given you the power to go out and make money. Go make some. Go get some. There's some money out there waiting for you to get. Work your rear off and get some of it. Start developing a way to have multiple streams of income. And we're going to listen. For those of you that you feel like you have an entrepreneurial spirit, which we have on this house, on Wednesday night, we're going to have a gathering. We could probably do it in the lobby unless it's too full. We're just going to get around people that are young entrepreneurs and say, man, I, I want to start a business. I want to figure out a way, way to make more money independently outside of a man hiring me. Then come on Wednesday night. We're going to have that. We're going to talk about some things on how to start a business, maybe a nonprofit, to start making either a dent in your debt or start positioning you so you can be more generous. Okay? Again, making money work for you. So if you're here and you're like, man, that's me. I have an entrepreneur. God gave us a word. I want to say it was almost two years, about a year and a half ago, about entrepreneurial spirit that sets up on Overflow Church that I believe that God has called us to work together as entrepreneurs to make lots of money to be kings and priests on the earth. And so in order to do that, we need to get together because I've got some ideas. You probably have some ideas. And let's get together on this thing. Let's figure out how to make a lot of money so we can change the world around us with that money. Come on, not just so we can have a lot of things. Nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong with things having you. So number four, make generosity your life goal. Make generosity your life goal. It's not, I want to have a million dollars in the bank. I want to have, one of of my things is I want to have a house on land. I want to have three acres and a house on land. That's great, but generosity is my life goal. Generosity is my life goal. It's that seed. We're not being, listen, we don't be generous with the tithe. Just because you're tithing, that doesn't make you generous. That just means that you're giving God, you're not, a, you're not stealing from God. That's what that means. But to go above the tithe is when we enter into generosity. Are you guys with me on that? So it might be a 1%. It might be a 0.05%. Be generous with something. Um, again, we don't eat that seed. Y'all all right? I'm getting through this and we'll be done. How many of y'all give me three minutes? Who will give me three minutes? Three, six, nine, five. Okay. I think I can do it in 12 minutes. Okay. Um, listen, generosity is difficult. And if it costs you nothing, then what have you really given? Are you guys with me on that? Like sometimes it's like, oh, I want to be generous. Generosity will always cost you. If it, if it doesn't hurt a little bit, you're not really being generous. That's the beautiful thing about it. Um, and budget generosity. The goal of Christ followers is not to accumulate wealth but to delegate blessing. Let me say that again. This is, this is the life goal. This is your life goal. This is the main point today. The goal of Christ's followers is not to accumulate wealth, but to delegate blessing. That we receive the blessing of God, we've stewarded well, 
We've given to God what's God's. We have some now that we can delegate the blessing of God. I'm not just a recipient of the blessing. And some of, listen, some of you, you're just asking, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, and there's nothing coming into your hand. What you need to say is, God, I want to be a blessing. We took a trip a few years ago to El Paso. Remember this, babe? And I'm going to close with this story. And then we're going to pray over your finances. We're going to do our offering. Um, we, we, we were in our driveway. We, we didn't have a lot of money. And uh, we were driving to El Paso to visit friends and family for Christmas or, I don't know, summer or something. We got in the car, and I prayed this. I said, Lord, help us to be a blessing everywhere we go. And I remembered that because normally I don't pray that. I'm normally, just protect us, Lord, and, you know, give us good deals. If we see good deals, give us good gas mileage. That's the kind of stuff we pray. Protect, put your hedge of protection around us. You know, all those kind of Christian weird things that we pray. And so, what is a hedge? Angels, mercy, travels, all those kind of weird, you know, things that we say. And so I normally pray all that. And I said, Lord, help us to be a blessing everywhere we go. Did you know that we got to El Paso? We went through Odessa, my hometown, and they got to El Paso, Leslie's hometown. And we, people were just giving us money. Every time we turned around, we were like, what the heck? Like, that was crazy. We, we traveled. We ate while we were gone. We spent money on things when we were gone. When we got home, we had more money than when we left. Why? Because we aimed to be a blessing. Guys, listen, this lifestyle God, God wants us to not just be generous. He wants us to be radically generous because we serve a God who is radically generous. He gave Jesus to us. Jesus! He gave his very best to us. <laughs>